1: Why do we wanna date people who are bad for us? Why do we get into relationships with people that bring out our worst, our most unhealthy selves? Well, today I'm teaching you the top four reasons why you chase toxic relationships and unavailable partners, and three tips to help you stop, so stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Well, you're back and it's good to see you. I'm really happy you're here. You know who I am, Dr. Abby Metcalf, glad to have you and really happy to be covering this topic that so many people wrote in about. Uh, So (laughs) I'm just gonna jump right in because I think this is something that I've covered in different ways over the years, but uh, I really wanted to kind of distill it and bring it all together. So before I jump into, you know, Why? Let's talk about what. You know, what exactly is when I say a toxic relationship, what am I talking about? And again, just having an unavailable partner is toxic in its own way. Uh, So I'm I'm not, I'm just going to be saying toxic relationships, and I'm also talking about unavailable partners, but at its core, a toxic relationship. Uh, is really one where you relate to the other person in some some type of unhealthy way some kind of detrimental way to you and toxic relationships are characterized you know overall when I think of them there's poor communication there's an absence really of mutual respect and definitely a lack of trust and again when you think of unavailable partners, That's all the same things, right? That's why I'm I'm just going to say toxic over and over and I'm talking about everything. So in these, you know, types of toxic relationships, there's often, I see a lot of minimization, you know, of how you feel or what you bring up, gaslighting, which obviously goes along with that. Often conflicts will arise, you know, really easily. Uh, the other things I see are just not feeling supported, you know, and c- controlling behavior overall, right? So it could be extreme jealousy or obviously someone who's cheating or, you know, and you keep going back. Uh, these are, or maybe you're the one who's cheating and you keep staying in this relationship. But, you know, any of these things are what I think of as toxic. There's just something really unhealthy and really detrimental going on. So why do we chase them? Why do we chase Toxic relationships and unavailable partners. There's there's really four main reasons, which I've covered in depth in other ways. But I'm gonna you know lay them out here and link to past episodes where you can just go deep on that one thing. So reason number one, and I think it covers kind of every base in a lot of ways, uh, is childhood trauma. How you were raised and parented, of course, shapes your perceptions of how relationships should work. Uh, it shapes your self-esteem, your self-worth. And I generally refer to this as uh, trauma, although pe- people really hate that word <laughs> because they think it only applies to something violent, um, physical violence or sexual abuse or things like that. But trauma, as I've said over and over here, and I've done multiple episodes now on trauma. again, I'll link to them all, but you might not realize you're having you're suffering from unhealed trauma. You might not even know about it. Uh, I talk about how it affects adult relationships. Again, I'll link to all the goodies. But trauma also comes from neglect, having an unloving or, or like cold parents or a critical caregiver, a lack of parenting, being from a divorced household can do it. Not always, but sometimes. Not getting validation and important milestones. Any of these things can cause someone to look for love and affection no matter what the cost. So I I think a common thing could be something like if you were constantly criticized or judged as a kid, you, you know, you'd likely end up with feelings of worthlessness and low self-esteem, right? It doesn't take Freud to figure out why that might be. So in turn, this results in not feeling worthy of a healthy relationship or not or, or you find a partner who also criticizes you. You know, isn't that how you know someone loves you? Maybe you even heard them say something like, "Well, I'm just trying to tell you, <clears throat> to tell you the truth, to help you out." I'm trying. You know, this is again like how I love you, how I show I care, and that if it came, if it was in your childhood, and your upbringing, in some way, you got that wired in your brain that that's how uh, people show they love you. So and you end up really with this kind of stuff from your childhood, you end up not trusting yourself. So you, you're you looking outside yourself for guidance, for leadership, and you end up feeling powerless in your life and you stay in these cycles of toxicity as an adult. And likely your only sense of value comes from being in a relationship, any relationship. In In the same way, trying to pick my words carefully because this stuff is hard right it's hard to hear sometimes It's hard to teach um in the same way so you might have grown up in a home with a lot of conflict or a lot of chaos and you then end up drawn to chaotic relationships as an adult so i've had clients say out loud Oh, I like a, you know, I need to fight with my partner a bit. I like us to fight. I, I get bored otherwise and I lose interest. When I hear that, I'm I'm traumatized. I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, listen to yourself. This um is problematic. <laughs> that's not that's not good. That's not what we're looking for." If cuz again, it's again what was kind of wired into you about relationships. So, childhood trauma neglect that kind of thing. Or again, what you experience as trauma to me is reason number one is it's, it's your, your childhood of being how you were parented, what you saw, how love got shown is very much related to having these kinds of relationships as an adult. Okay. Reason number two is attachment style. I, <laughs> I think I talk about mindfulness and attachment more than anything on the on the podcast. Well, it's because the research shows these are the things, right? So, you know me, I'm a, you know. But with attachment, there's, you know, so much research. Again, I've done other episodes on attachment and I will link to those. I'll do a little quickie here, but the research has consistently shown that how you attach to your parents or caregivers as a child affects how you connect in your adult relationships. So your, basically your attachment style affects everything from what romantic partners and, and friends, by the way, you choose what issues you're going to repeatedly face in your relationships and even how your relationship will end. Okay. All of it. I'll link to the research too, of course. And I'll, again, all these episodes have research of their own. And just, you know, I always have new listeners. So abbymedcalf.com is where you get all the goods, relationship tips and tools. That tab is where I've got all the corresponding blog posts. If you don't want to listen to the broadcast again, to this episode again, but every single episode I've ever done is also on my website. And, uh, you can go to what we call a show notes page, which is basically a little summary of, on the podcast page, or you can go to that Relationship Tips and Tools page to this episode. And either way, you can get all the links, all the research, you can all the things, okay? So you just have to do that extra little step and go back, or you can try to search on the platform you're on with my name and see what comes up. But uh, I think it's just easier to go to the website. You can then even just get what episode it is and go listen wherever you like to listen to my To my melodious voice. Uh, But I I know some of you have been with me for years. You're like, stop saying that. I I need to say it every time because there's always new people coming in. And thank you for the new people coming in. If you haven't yet, please subscribe or like or rate on Spotify, leave a review on um, Apple Podcasts. Um, If you're watching me on YouTube, hello. Nice to see you. And please subscribe to the channel and you know comment. I've been checking all the comments now too, much better. So uh, I'm trying to really stay up with it. Anyway. So when we talk about this attachment and attachment styles, if you don't want to go back and listen, I'll give you a quickie now. It's basically the emotional bond you develop with another person. That's what attachment is. And it reflects the the trust the the security that you feel in that relationship, and the depending on who you're reading and what research, whatever, there's different terminology used in attachment theory, but it o- always boils down to that there's really two main categories of attachment styles. there's secure and insecure, and insecure has a, a couple, but secure is on its own and secure attachment style. Is that, it sounds that you can tell is the healthy one. If that was you, you probably wouldn't be here right now, so it's probably not you, I say with love, <laughs> because securely attached people aren't interested in being in toxic relationships and don't choose unavailable partners. I have absolutely had people tell me that they thought they were securely attached, and then they're in these horrific toxic relationships. Securely attached people do not get into toxic relationships, they don't. If, if, if a partner is unavailable, they're not, they're not having it. I'm not saying you couldn't have some secure tendencies <laughs> I'm Not saying you couldn't be, you know, that you're completely an insecure, have a, a completely insecure attachment style, but I'm telling you that predominantly you do, or you wouldn't be in this kind of relationship. Again, I say this with love, this is not meant to denigrate you in any way. I love you. I do. It's just meant to be, I'm very, one thing I'm not going to do is ever lie to you. I'm always going to be honest and direct in a caring, thoughtful way. And uh, you got to get real. A lot of times we just really have to get real and self-aware about how we really are. So anyway, so you are in one of these two categories I'm about to say. (laughs) So the insecure side of attachment styles uh, is basically subdivided into two main styles. Uh, Yeah, I'm not even getting into all the variants, but anxious and avoidant. Those are the two main styles. And any person in a toxic relationship belongs in one of these two categories. Although although I guess the reason you're insecure could be largely due to an underlying mental health health issue as opposed to how you were parented. I will say that. Okay. So in other words, if you've had anxiety since you were a kid that's not always be- that's sometimes just hereditary and that's not always because of how a parent parented you and so uh it could be from other factors um it could be from something that happened in your environment um, i have a client who actually had very loving together healthy healthy parents and she was raped by a coach when she was 9 10 and uh, guess what Got very anxious, you know. So uh, things can happen um, that don't have to do with parenting around your attachment style. I will say that. But again, having said that, <laughs> as an adult, if you're in a toxic relationship, you're you're not sec- you're not securely attached. Um, so the the anxious attachment style, which is also known as anxious ambivalent or anxious preoccupied, again, there's a lot of labels here, but this attachment type tends to worry excess, excessively and extensively, I would say, about their relationships. People with an anxious attachment style tend to be insecure about themselves. They have low self-esteem. They have the need to be in relationships and rely on others. These, If you're in this category, you've probably been called clingy or needy. Uh, maybe you analyze and overthink the meaning behind what your partner or other people say and do. You're usually kind of anxious and stressed about how you're perceived. So, and anxiously attached people get easily emotionally dysregulated depending on, in other words, your emotions will will shift and change depending on other people's moods, which you know, can also create more chaos because you're trying to you know, fix it and please people and do all that. And you can see how an anxiously attached person would end up with someone who was toxic or avoided. Because again, like being in a relationship might be, you're just so anxious about not being in one that you'll be in any kind of one. um, Or again, somehow you think that that's love, you know, whatever this toxicity is between the two of you, you think it's love. Um, And toxic relationships don't always mean an unavailable partner. You might be anxious with another anxious person. And the two of you end up really, you know, uh, overly enmeshed, you know, you're overly codependent and enmeshed and uh, not knowing where one begins and one ends and the relationship has very poor boundaries and, you know, that's also toxic. Okay. So I think that's enough about that. Okay. (laughs) for now. I mean, I I can do whole episodes on just attachment style, which I have. So I'm trying to keep it kind of short and just as a refresher for some of you. And if you're hearing it for the first time, please go listen to the longer episodes. You'll find them uh, really helpful. Uh, So the avoidant attachment style, which is also known as um, dismissive avoidant or anxious avoidant, again, there's lots of labels, but basically avoidant. That person is independent uh confident, self-sufficient, or le- they at least appear self-sufficient and confident and all these things. People with an avoidant attachment style don't want to rely on others. They want to be in control. Uh, they can be distant and aloof in relationships. So this is your often your unavailable partner has an avoidant attachment style. So you might be the anxious one and they're the avoidant one. Um, or you both might be avoidant. That happens. Uh, that happens, yeah, uh usually avoidance when they get together are not listening um to this episode because they're okay with it. <laughs> they're okay with the relationship being as it is, although when it gets too toxic, they do care, so um yeah, so maybe you are listening, but so uh avoidance can be they aren't likely to open up to other people, uh, aren't good at expression expressing you know private thoughts or emotions. And so, yeah, again, classically unavailable partner. They avoid feelings at all costs. They have a difficult time identifying them, feeling them, noticing them, expressing true feelings. They're definitely more comfortable alone than with other people, I would say. Yeah. Um, Again, especially if you're the anxious attached partner and they're avoidant, that's where a lot of that toxicity can come from. And you know they need to be in control of their environment so they can decide how much to let others in that that happens a lot they can definitely be dismissive of other people's thoughts and feelings and have you know overall commitment issues that show up in a variety of ways um which i guess could be you know not wanting to commit to a long-term relationship or not being willing to you know, live together or get married or if they are married or living together, they might do things like keep their money separate, or have separate friendships, or need more privacy than their partners. You know, all these things kind of uh, come together. You can you can get a feeling. I've shared before that I have uh, my quote unquote natural style is avoidant. I've worked very hard to be more secure, very 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 very. But it is definitely where. I go, uh, I need more alone time. Like I, I'm okay on my own. Um, I would say more than, you know, Gary always loves <laughs> my man always loves, um, you know, we, t- but we talk about it and you know, that that's what makes it better. And I'm very self-aware about it. And I, again, I I try to really work on it. Um, but it's there. It, it's one of those things that, I don't know, you know, I don't know as a personality after a while, I, who knows, but it certainly feels a bit entrenched. Um, I have worked very, 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 very hard on identifying my feelings, knowing when I'm having them. That's all the mindfulness work I do. That is all the, uh, meditation I do. If you, I have a free mindfulness starter kit, a free meditation starter kit. You can download those on the website, abbymedcalf.com under, on the shop page. It says shop, but they're free. They really are free. You'll end up, um, you have to put in your email so we can send it to you. And then you're in my weekly newsletter, which is a love letter there. I'm not selling you anything. People love the love letter. It has a huge response. I've got many thousands of people on there and it grows all the time because people really love it. It's just a weekly, if you like the podcast, you'll love my weekly love letter. Let me say that you will love it. I, 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 I just give you a little fla- little something to inspire you for the week, something to think about um, that's short and sweet um, and love, all love. Okay. Anyway, you will be on that list if you download something for free. As I always say, you can unsubscribe. I got tens of thousands of people on there, people. I'm not going to notice if you unsubscribe. It's okay. <laughs> and if you're already subscribed, you're not going to get multiple lists if you download multiple free things don't worry you know your name goes in once as long as you write your name and have the same email address it'll just go to the you'll just get one don't worry okay reason number three you might be chasing toxic relationships or unavailable partners is trauma bonding and trauma bonding is basically a dysfunctional type of attachment trauma bonding gets hardwired so it's literally living in your nervous system which so basically it's it's your brain is hijacked and because of your particular childhood your brain has made neural associations between love and unhealthy behavior and you end up with people who aren't the best fit for you but you feel like you're just you just can't let them go okay you just can't let them go now trauma bonding does not mean that you're bonding with another person over some shared trauma. That's not what it is. It, it's it's really about a bond that a survivor of some kind of abuse or trauma feels towards another person, okay? So I discuss trauma bonding at length in a separate episode, and I mean at length, and so you want to go there. If you feel like this relates, and you can see how one, two, and three, how they all relate to each other, right? There's some kind of thing that happens with your how you were raised. It creates some sort of attachment style. It might also create something where you do this trauma bonding. Not everybody has trauma bonding. I just want to say that. But that's another main reason I see, you know, for why people chase these kind of relationships or can't seem to get out of them. Um, Definitely.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, definitely check out the trauma bonding episode. Again, you can search for that on the search engine on my website also, or you can come over to the show notes page or the blog and you can get a link. All right. Reason number four, it's chemical. Chemical. I talk a lot about uh, many episodes. Well, I talk a lot about biology anyway, but uh, my my main girl crush is a uh, biological anthropologist, Helen Fisher. She's incredible. If you haven't watched her TED talk or all of her talks, she's just, her research is impeccable and amazing. And anyway, uh, and she and her kind of neuroscientist colleagues, we'll call them, I guess, they've done brain scans on people in love and have found activity in the what's called the VTA, the ventral, teg- what does that stand for? Ventral tegmental, tegmental area of the brain, VTA. I always forget how to say that. Um, it, 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 which is basically part of your brain's reward system. Your VTA is part of your brain reward system. And they found activity there. So this part of when you fall in love, when you, when you get attached to somebody, this part of your brain is just so you know, is way below your conscious thinking brain it's even like below your emotions. It's what it, it's part of what's called your lizard or reptilian brain. I mean, this is like, you know, the deep, deep stuff. This is the part of your brain associated with motivation, with wanting, with desiring something, and that intense focus that happens when you're craving something. And this is the exact same part of the brain that's stimulated when someone uses cocaine. They get all the same rush and all those same feelings. So think about that. If you and, and uh, Fisher and her colleagues have talked about it, love, this kind of love being like an addiction because of how it acts in the brain. I know, kind of crazy, right? Add, think about it. Addicts, if I'm addicted to coke or drugs or whatever, alcohol, addicts continue to use despite negative consequences and every part of their rational brain telling them to stop. This isn't good for you. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose your life, whatever, your husband, you know, uh, unbelievable. So despite all the good reasons that any rational person would say, oh yeah, (laughs) you've got to stop. The brain will still obsess about using the drug even though it so many bad things could have happened. You could have had a DUI. You could have, I mean, really, you know, this is why it's addiction. it It's the, the brain is hijacked. And in this same way, your brain will focus on a relationship, even though it's toxic or your partner's unavailable and you'll keep going back for more. I know, it's a little scary in it. There's a certain feeling or or high, if you want to use that word, that you get in relationships, especially these kind of toxic one or where the partner is distant and you're like chasing, you're like chasing the dragon like we used to do. I used to do with heroin. Uh, And it's similar to the brain pattern in something like, also like a gambling addiction. Where there's intermittent or variable, we call it reinforcement. Now re- variable or intermittent reinforcement is the most powerful kind of reinforcement there is. And when you're gambling, think of a slot machine, right, kind of famously, you're pulling the lever and most of the time you're not getting anything, but every now and then it dings, and every now and then you get something. That is the most powerful kind of reinforcement, okay? That's it. It's more reinforcing than always getting something. And it's more reinforcing than never getting something. If you never, ever get something, you eventually give up. If you always get something, you often get bored and stop. I know. Think about relationships like that, where someone was very available and you got kind of bored and you were like, oh, that's not my person. Sometimes things, you know, so think about the relationship with a toxic or unavailable person. Sometimes things are bad, but every now and then it's good. And that's enough to keep you hooked and coming back for more. I know it's terrifying, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? But that's exactly what's happening. Your, your brain is telling you that you have to have this thing. And again, you're getting kind of that intermittent reinforcement that's so powerful, which get has you pulling that slot lever over and over and over. So those are the reasons, the main reasons you are in a toxic relationship. And obviously it can be any combination thereof. And obviously they overlap and kind of feed each other. But uh, when you're in one, that's that's how I need you to think about it. Now, you, I might be talking and you still might wonder if you're in, a, so am I, you might be thinking to yourself, well, am I in one? I know she gave a definition. I know she's talking about all these things that maybe I feel, but If you're still wondering if you're in a toxic relationship, if you're still unsure somehow, I would ask yourself these questions to help you decide. I have a few questions I always, uh, for me, that I ask clients to sort of help them think about the relationship. So the first and foremost one is, how does your partner make you feel most of the time? And I mean, not just when you're with them. So if you're in a toxic relationship or you have an unavailable partner, In some way, you might not see them a lot. You might not physically be with them a lot, Um, you know, real time together. And then the time that you do get together might feel really good. But that's not the, so I want you to think, how do you feel all day, every day? That's what I want you to think. Not the times that you, you know, ooh, they show up and some great thing happens because they know how to do that. I mean, day to day, day in and day out at lunch, after lunch, at dinner, at your break at work, when you're done with work, before work, when you get up in the morning, I'm talking about that. How does your partner, how do you, I shouldn't say makes you feel because that that you're not a victim, but how do you feel in your relationship most of the time? That's a much better way to say that. That's less victim-y and less unhealthy. The healthy way to say that. How do you feel in your relationship most of the time when you think about your partner, when you think about your relationship Most of the time, do you feel secure and happy and relaxed and, um, you know, at ease or most of the time, do you feel insecure and unsure and hesitant or angry or overwhelmed or resentful or frustrated? I need you to think about that because right there is your answer. You don't even need the rest of these questions. Right there is your answer. Again, not every now and then, not even Even if it's once a day that you have, I don't know, they have great sex and life feels good, but the rest of the day you feel ignored and not heard, or you get dismissed or whatever, you know, again, I want you to think of the whole, the whole day, every day. Okay. That's number one. Second is your, I want you to think, ask yourself, is your partner there for you in a real and meaningful way? Are they there for you in a real and meaningful way? Think about answering that question, and it should be absolutely a hundred percent and actually, the third one is very related to that. Do you feel like your partner has your back and would make decisions in your best interest um consistently and even over their own? you know like and I don't mean over their own in a codependent sick way, I mean like, um, oh, I want to get home from work, it's late, but um I'm remembering that you're homesick <laughs> and and don't have anything to eat and i'm going to stop and make sure you you know i'm going to buy you some good chicken soup and i'm going to bring that home so that's like your interest over my own like i would just assume get home already and go to bed but i've got a sick partner at home i need to take care of them so this is one of those times when i need to sort of you know um do that <laughs> so do you feel like your partner has your back again consistently all day every day and would make decisions in your best interest over their own. Okay, very important. That's really question one there was the biggie, but that's how you know. So I'm going to give you just three quick tips for dealing with uh, toxic relationships and unavailable partners. The reason I'm not going deep here is because if you go, if you think that the reason, like if you think, oh, this is trauma bonding, or oh, this is my attachment style, or oh, I give a ton of tips in each of those, so you know, I'm always about actionable tools, and so they're there. Go listen specifically, and you can get really specific on tips for you. But I will say this, and I've talked about these tips elsewhere, but I'm going to say this: three things. One is, stop talking about it. It is time to stop, 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 stop talking about your friggin toxic relationship or your unavailable partner every time you complain, question, romanticize, you're creating strong emotions and getting into these emotional, you know, these feeling states triggers strong brain chemicals that keep you stuck and going back for more. Again, this happens with drugs too when people romanticize their use or talk about it over and over again, it reinforces their cravings. That's what you're doing. You are hardwiring Wiring this more and more in your brain, and that is not what you want to do. And if you're talking about your relationship constantly, or you're on the fence all the time should I stay, should I go, or you're complaining about your partner all the time that right there should have answered that first question I just asked how do you know if you're in a toxic relationship? With you know, how do you feel every day? You obviously don't feel good if that's what's going on, you don't feel happy and content and satisfied and secure, and you know loved and respected and valued. Otherwise all that wouldn't be happening. So, you know, it's toxic. So you you got to stop talking about it. You have to you got to stop that because you're just reinforcing it and making it worse not better. As you know, because if talking about it helped, you wouldn't be listening right now because you'd be done. You you'd already have figured this out, what to do about this relationship. You haven't because you're reinforcing that and making these neural pathways deeper wider more entrenched which makes it worse okay number 2 and this is a real action action thing to do is i call it a why not list i want you to make a list of why not so if you're in a toxic relationship i want you to create a list of why not this is a it's a written list of all the ways you're not a good match with your partner so this is not i repeat not a list of all the things you hate about them to me, hate is just love disguised. So instead, this is a list of the ways that you're just not a good fit. So it would be more about, you know, how you like X and they don't. You know, oh, I like to talk about feelings and my partner doesn't. That's why we're not a good fit. I like to spend um uh my free time with my partner and my partner does not. So we're not a good fit. I like to uh, cuddle on the couch, and my partner doesn't, so we're not a good fit. I like to have uh, sex uh, at least twice a week, and my partner doesn't, so we're not a good fit. Do you see where I'm going here? Not my partner's an asshole. My partner does this. They're really mean. That's not how you're a good, not a good fit. That's not it. It's I like to be treated with respect, and that's not what happens with my partner. That's not how I feel with my partner. I I love to feel loved and cared for and secure. And that's not how I feel with this partner. So we're not a good fit. Do you see that? That's what I want. And I want you to save that list somewhere that it's easy to access because that impulse to stay in the relationship, to contact them if you broke up for a little bit or you tried to walk away, it could happen anywhere, anytime. And that's exactly when you need to pull out your list. When you start romanticizing, oh, but they're great. you know. When you get that reinforcement on the slot machine, yeah, pull out your list pull out your list. You, what we're doing is really trying to change your mindset about this relationship and remind yourself of what's real. It's like a reality check. You're not in reality if you're miserable most of the time and you've compl- been complaining about this relationship for years and you're still in it. That That's no good. And the third thing is to focus on yourself. If you're in this type of relationship, it's really time to focus on yourself. And if you're not in a toxic relationship now, but you keep getting into them or keep getting with unavailable partners, it's time for now for you. Get get professional help to deal with the reasons you get in these kind of relationships. Or you're in this kind of relationship in the first place because you need to work on your self-esteem, on building your confidence. These have to be primary goals. Every time you catch yourself thinking of what your partner needs to do or what someone else needs to do, stop and ask yourself what you need to do. To focus on yourself so you can make these changes and have long-term happiness. That is the only way to do it. It is the only way it goes. It You have to change yourself, right? Y- this is about you. And if you're looking for someone else, for these toxic, unavailable people to be different, you are barking up the wrong tree and you're going to stay miserable. And I don't want you to because you deserve to be happy. You deserve to have a great life. Even if your whole life you've been chasing toxic relationships and unavailable partners, absolutely, you don't have to keep doing that, okay? If you are in a relationship now, like you're married and you know, you're know you settled in and this is it, I would tell you to still focus on yourself. I would focus on what you need to do to be happy despite these circumstances and then see what happens. I, I would highly recommend, and I don't usually, you know, talk about it, but I would highly recommend if, if you're on YouTube, you can see my book. Let's do it that way. Uh, my Amazon number one best selling book, uh, how to, you know, be happily married, even if your partner won't do a thing. Uh, this is like a how to book for, you know, changing your life and changing relationships. I'm really proud of it. It's been out a few years now. Um, I'm going to do an update one of these days. And, uh, it's really a lot of the stuff, you know, all in one place that I've taught in varying ways in the podcast, but all in one place about how to change your relationship when your partner's not changing. So that's your, you know, that do that. Then if you're if you're married and you can't get like do that, or if you're in some situation, maybe this partner, you know, is a parent to your children or something. You know, if there's just some way that you feel like I I have to stay in this relationship for some reason, then to me that's your next best bet. Okay, that's it. We did it. We are done for today. As always, thank you so, so much for being here with me. I love being here with you. I know this was a hard topic. I you likely heard some hard truths that you're not enjoying right now. Or I, I want you to feel hopeful, not hopeless. I want you to get that you can change your life. Absolutely a hundred percent you can change things. Don't try to get too big too quick one step at a time, baby steps are great. Start with a why not list, you know, just start, start where you can start. Don't feel like you have to break up tomorrow. Don't feel like you have to block this person tomorrow. It, when we go to those very extreme places, they often don't stick. It's like, um, you know, you want to lose weight and you're like on a drastic diet and going to boot camp every day. You know, most people don't stick to that. So really be thoughtful. Go back and listen to the other episodes. Give yourself a moment before you take action. Really think about what could be your next step towards yourself. Not towards getting away from them, but towards you. That's where it needs to be. Not to getting away, but getting towards yourself. If you have that mentality, you will go far. It'll take the pressure off of breaking up or not or whatever, and just get some relief about being there for yourself and learning to trust yourself, being more self-aware, all those good things. You can do it. I promise you can. I promise. That's why I do this podcast. (laughs) Because I've seen tens of thousands of people change over my career. I know it's possible. And I'm making these tools available to you so you can do it too. All right. Have an amazing week. I love you so, so much. I do. I'm sending such a big hug right now. And I will talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is gonna help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just wanna say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you, anything. You can email me at abby at com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymedcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.